Imagine loving your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And once again, I'm so glad to be here with you for this week's episode, which is all about how to make your midlife marriage better with special guest, Maggie Reyes. You, my friend, are in for a real treat. And you know what? You don't need to be married forever to get a lot out of this topic because it's really about longer term committed relationships. So buckle up, girlfriend. Here we go. Maggie Reyes is a life coach and modern marriage mentor who specializes in helping driven, ambitious women create the marriages of their dreams. Her innovative, playful, and practical approach to love and marriage takes the principles of cognitive psychology and luxury hospitality service. Can you believe that? It's so good. And uses them to teach her clients the most effective ways to break destructive patterns and develop the mindsets and habits that make relationships thrive. Now, the luxury hospitality service analogies that Maggie uses are amazing, super useful. Maggie's also the author of the best-selling book, Questions for Couples Journal, and the host of the Marriage Life Coach podcast. If you want to learn how to stop doing the things that poison the love in a relationship and start doing the things that make love stronger, you are going to love this episode. Enjoy. Hi, Maggie. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast. I'm super excited that you're here. Susie, thank you for having me. I think we're going to have a blast today. I think so too. There is so much going on in midlife and one of them is a long-term marriage. Yes. So like other parts of our lives at this age and stage, long-term jobs, for example, marriages are also going through a transition at this time of life, a time for reflection, a time for some discomfort, sometimes a little boredom, (laughs) especially when kids leave, there's a big giant spotlight on your relationship all of a sudden. It seems all of a sudden, but of course it's not really. (laughs) Right, (laughs) in the making. Exactly. Can you talk a bit about how midlife marriage can have some unique challenges? Absolutely. Anything we do for a long time, we have to recommit to over and over again. So anyone listening, if you're a runner, right? You go through these stages where you love running and then you don't love it as much, right? And sometimes this happens with your partner. You go through these stages where you love them and then you don't love them as much. And it's this process of recommitting over and over again. And I think what happens a lot in midlife is I'm 46, so I'm not quite (laughs) at 50, but I'm almost there. You're coming and we're going to welcome you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm like, yes, I have a place to go. Oh, yes. Um, So what happens is we get into these routines and sometimes we get into routines that are useful and we want to keep and sometimes we get into routines that are not useful and we need to question. And I think everyone listening to your podcast is in that process of questioning and figuring out what they want their next stage in life to look like. And that's what we want to do today around marriage is just question a few things, check in, see how you're doing, give you some suggestions and ideas of what things you might want to tweak. The other thing that happens is, like, it seems like time is flying. And so all of a sudden, another five years goes by and you still haven't focused or made some of those changes or even made things a priority. And there's still the same old problem or the same old thing that hasn't moved. Yes. Actually, I was talking to Susie right before this that I was listening to her podcast. And the episode I was listening to is when you feel stuck. (laughs) And I talk to a lot of marriage coaching clients where they feel stuck, where they just feel like nothing is changing. And here's something I see very often. I have been this person. So as I explain this, if anyone feels like they're this person too, please know this is a no judgment zone, but it's good to know this about yourself. Have you ever wanted things to change, improve, and get better? but also not wanted to change anything about what you're doing in any part of your life. 
Has that oh, been no. <laughs> I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> right? So I get that a lot where my clients come to me and they're like, but that'll be difficult. But that will be hard. I'll have to have a hard conversation with my partner. Like, guess what's harder? <laughs> like, there's a type of hard that leads to the relationship getting easier. And there's a type of hard that leads to the relationship just getting harder. Which one do you want? Yes, I love that. So basically, you're hinting on taking a little bit of responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a lot. Maybe a lot of responsibility. Well, you know, with mindfulness, with all of this work that we're doing, I think we're in. We're all in for that once we get our head around it. Like, there's definitely some discomfort when you realize that you actually could be making a contribution to the problem. I see a lot. Tell me if this ever happens in your community, Susie, where a woman will come to me and say, why should I be the one who makes changes? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. It's come up so much lately, actually. I don't know if the pandemic is pushing the, uh, <laughs> the gas yes. pedal down on some of these issues, but yeah, that's come up a lot lately. And my answer is you're the one who's frustrated, right? When we, when we investigate about how the husband or the partner feels, I mostly work with women married to men, so I was refer to husbands, but please know this applies to any partnership. So when I ask them, and how's your husband with all this? He's like, oh, he's fine. He's great. He's amazing. So the reason you have to make some changes is because you're the one who wants the changes to be made. <laughs> exactly. It's that I find simple. That yeah. The problem, um, the way people tend to talk about it is they feel that if they take the first move, they're condoning the right. thing that they don't want to continue. So can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I know you and I both in our coaching talk about acceptance and how acceptance is not agreement. So acceptance doesn't mean we condone or we accept a behavior. Acceptance means we understand that behavior happened and we need to determine what we want to do to move forward past that behavior. And if we want to make any changes, we can't argue with the behavior itself. Like that just leads to going around in circles and arguing about the same thing for five years as many of my clients do. Or 10. Or 10, right. 20. Yeah, right? So if we accept it, we say, okay, this is something that moving forward, I really don't want anymore. How do I handle this? The first step is to say it happened. Not you shouldn't be doing it, but just this is what's happening. What is my standard moving forward about this issue? What is my boundary about this issue? Like if we were to own it 100%, on our side of the table, what, how would we plan for it or react to it or whatever it is that we would do? Does that mean that the behavior is okay? It means we're taking a higher level of responsibility about our response. Mm, that's so good, Maggie. That's so good. So, um, but that really is the thing that comes up a lot. Yeah, I see really. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So good. And especially what we've been married so long in our age group, right? For many of us. So mm-hmm. it's been something, it's often not a new problem. It's something that's been the same old problem for a yes. long time. So one of the things I like, there's an institute that studies marriage. It's called the Gottman Institute. And I love their, to read their studies and see what they figure out. Because basically what they do is they study people and then they see what works and what doesn't work. And then they create interventions around what works and what doesn't work. And there's some statistic, there's like 67% of marriages have some kind of unsolvable problem, right? Wow. And we all think, oh, if only I could solve this problem, then everything would be great. And it's like we have the wrong intention through nobody's fault. Like nobody knocks on our door and tells us, hey, by the way, there are some problems you will never solve. Why don't we manage it instead, right? Here we are, Susie and I, we're knocking on your door and we're saying, hey, There's some problems you will never solve. If we change the goal from solving, quote unquote, eliminating the problem to managing the problem in a way that feels like you're honoring your truth, you're honoring your next chapter, you're honoring who you want to be in the world in this next iteration of yourself as a woman, then that's a completely different conversation. And now we can make progress and move forward. Oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. And What I really love about uh, your work, Maggie, is that you talk about thriving in a marriage, right? So can you talk a little bit about that? You bring up this concept of alliance. And when I saw that in your work, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Um, I just love what's possible 
And yes. you really do talk about what's possible. So take us there. Absolutely. So there's two concepts. We're, we'll go through them one by one. So one of the concepts that I teach is the difference between a team and an alliance. And I love talking about that with you, Susie, because the reason that I developed this concept was studying the phenomenon of gray divorce. Mm -hmm. So as of a few years ago, there was this phenomenon that was happening that got really reported in the news and I started thinking about it. And it's this, uh, women, men and women in their 50s and 60s started getting divorced at a much higher rate than any other age group. And so they named it gray divorce. And I thought to myself, why? Why is that happening? What is leading to that? And I thought about the clients I've talked to and all the things that I've read and all the things. And I thought, this is my hypothesis about why this is happening. And it's the difference between a team and an alliance. And if you really get this, it's just so powerful for you to know, are you a team right now? Are you an alliance? And what do you want moving forward? So here's how it works. An alliance, imagine the U.S. and the U.K., right? We have lots of alliances. When we have things in common, we are best buddies. We are like all in to help each other. When we disagree on a topic, it's every country for themselves. The UK does one thing, the US does something else, and off we go, right? So in a marriage, an alliance is very similar to that. It's like we have a mortgage, we have kids to raise, we have these things that we want to do, and we are allied as long as those things are happening. And we need to get them done. And the moment that those things are no longer happening, suddenly our alliance is no longer strong, right? Now, think about a team. So it's so funny because I use the LA Lakers as my example, but I know nothing about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> that's, the, that's the example I like to use. So in a team, we are working towards the same goal. We want to win games. We want to win championships. We want to win rings. We want to win all the things. And in a team, we look at your strengths, we look at my strengths, we say, hey, you're better at spreadsheets, why don't you do the bills? Hey, you're better at like decorating or creating a beautiful meal, why don't you do that? By the way, in my house, my husband is the chef, and I am the sassy, delightful assistant. <laughs> Just, you know? So, But in a team, we look to each other's strengths, and then we work towards those strengths for the same goal. What happens in a long-term marriage is sometimes we've been functioning as an alliance and it's worked just fine, just like the UK and the US. Then the kids leave and suddenly if we have built no teamwork with each other, no sense of partnership, no sense of team spirit, then suddenly you have the great divorce phenomenon. So I hereby challenge every listener to assess their relationship right now, if you're in a long-term one, and just categorize, do I feel like I'm more in a team? Do I feel like I'm more in an alliance? And how do I cultivate teamwork? Here's what I call it. Always be friending. Always. So you know on Facebook when you friend someone and you comment on their things and you like their things, you see more of them. The more you engage with them, the more you engage with them, right? Do this in real life. IRL, in real life. <laughs> <laughs> always be friending, right? All of the people listening to us right now, the amazing women who listen to this podcast, know how to be a loving, loyal friend. You do not need to learn anything new. You don't need 54 steps <laughs> to do this, <laughs> right? Sometimes you do, right? But sometimes like you know how to be a loyal, loving friend. This is not a mystery. Let's be clear. Turn that attention to your partner. And if it feels like you're in an alliance, prioritize that today, right now, <laughs> after listening to us, go and do that and just see what happens. You know what? I love that analogy because we all know what it feels like to be on a team. Yes. Even if you're not on a team, if you don't have a team experience that you hold near and dear to your heart, if you don't have one from the last few years, you probably have one from your childhood. When I think about the team experience I had in marching band, it just conjures up the most amazing feelings and I understand exactly what it means to be a team. But you're right about what can absolutely happen with a busy family life for 20 years. Yes. It can be very easy and comfortable to slip into an alliance. Right. And to me, what I find is the more I can label something, the more I can understand the dynamic of it, then the more action and the more um, I can think about it differently. 
And so just that distinction of like, this is a team, this is an alliance. Oh, I know exactly what an alliance is like. Oh, I don't want that long term. I want to be on a team. And like you said, I love marching band. That's so awesome. The, I immediately could envision a marching band where somebody maybe is struggling with a note or a sequence in the music. And we pause and help that person get up to speed. We don't just keep going, right? Right. So that idea of when you have an issue in your relationship, you want to bring something up and you pause to help your partner get up to speed, right? That's why you have to do it. Your partner doesn't know that he doesn't have rhythm. He doesn't know, <laughs> right? <laughs> We've all had those moments where I'm like, uh, oh, that's not the right. Way. That is such a funny analogy because rhythm. <laughs> I always say that about my husband. Yeah. <laughs> and his rhythm, I don't know what happened. <laughs> right? And sometimes that person needs a little, it's like that moment where you didn't have the rhythm and then someone paused and did it with you slower and, and you were able to get it and get in sync with it and then you're able to do it a little faster and then you're just able to like follow along. Maybe not for every song, but on that song, you can totally stay in rhythm. I love that as such a simple way to imagine solving a problem in a relationship. It's like, help your honey get in rhythm. Yeah, it's so different than losing patience because we're yeah. thinking 10 steps ahead because we have a lot of history. Yeah. So think about to go back to acceptance, right? Think about just accepting my partner does not have the rhythm of this song down. Let me help them get up to speed versus he should know rhythm already. Why doesn't he know rhythm by now? Oh my God. Right? Like notice just the difference in those two reactions, right? Totally different. So yeah. one of the things that you talk about is the seven principles of a five-star marriage. Yes. Tell us more. Okay. I love talking about this. So I used to work in luxury hospitality before I became a life coach. And we had a lot of uh, meetings and conversations about what is excellence and what is five-star and like all those things. And my basic definition, and to me, first of all, five star is how I describe thriving, right? So if you imagine a motel, a one star, it has scratchy sheets, it has a shower that may get hot, may get cold, we don't know, some water will come out, right? Imagine a one star, right? And then you imagine a five star resort. Like I love um, that movie with, that was a couple's retreat. I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's hilarious. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. It's with no, Vince I haven't. Vaughn. Huh. It's with Vince Vaughn. It's so funny. And they filmed it in like Bora Bora, one of these places where you have the huts and you have the ocean and it's amazing. And I think about if I tell you five star and you imagine like the four seasons, the St. Regis, the Ritz Carlton, what is the difference between a motel, right? And a five star hotel experience? One of the differences is just the, the basics done at a high degree of excellence. Yes. So you still have sheets, you still have a shower. Some things are not going to change, but the sheets are delightful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sleeping on a cloud, right? All those things. So if you think about your relationship right now, it's like, what is a basic that maybe isn't getting paid attention to or isn't being done at a high degree of excellence? Another thing about five star is that warm welcome feeling. That warm welcome feeling is engineered, right? So if you ever stay at a Ritz Carlton and you tell them that you like Kit Kats and you go to another Ritz Carlton in another city, they'll know you like Kit Kats and there's likely to be a Kit Kat at your turndown service, right? <laughs> it's not by accident. It's not like they just right. <laughs> show up and it happens. It's engineered to give you that warm welcome feeling. So if you think about being home, and now that we're all home so much more as we record this, that we're in the middle of a lot of staying home time. Lots of right? home time, yeah. Does it feel like that welcome home feeling? And it doesn't take something super complicated to create that. It could just be buying a freaking Kit Kat. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to sort of set the stage of what I mean when I talk about five star. And now I'll tell you the seven steps. I'll kind of go through them relatively quickly. And then if you have questions, just let me know which one you want me to go back to a little more. Does sure. that work for you? Okay. Yeah. So first thing is you have to decide. You have to decide what star am I going to be on, right? If I'm going to buy a hotel, I'm either going to buy a motel or I'm going to go the like five-star route and I have decided this is what we do, right? So in a five-star experience, for example, when you call downstairs, they answer within three rings. Why? Because they want to have that welcome home feeling. They're delighted you're there. They want, they want you to call. 
And then we'll tell they might answer in seven rings or 10 rings or it doesn't matter so much, right? So as a coach, like Susie, I work from home and I could make my own hours, but I've decided that I don't do things in the evening because that's my hubby time, right? That's my time I spend to cultivate the friendship. I, I always say marriage coach got a marriage, <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's like you have, the first thing is to decide that you want to thrive, number one. And if you haven't decided, like I invite you to decide right now, what kind of marriage do you want to have? Do you want to have a one star, a two star, <laughs> right? You can have a great marriage and a four star, but I always say come to thriving. Let's go over here. Let's make it be the best. No, I love that. It means you're being intentional about it and it does start within a, de a decision. A decision. Everything starts with a decision. That's the first one. The second one is declutter. So I always talk about two types of clutter. There's physical clutter in our homes and emotional clutter in our hearts. And if you imagine walking into a beautiful five-star resort, can you imagine if they had paper strewn everywhere and if they just had all the stuff from Christmas out in July and boxes in the lobby? Like that would never happen. Never. Right? <laughs> but we do that not just at home, but with all the un things that we have not forgiven, right? We carry this emotional clutter with us. And then we carry emotional clutter, we cannot get to five star. Like we can have an okay, more or less good relationship, but we won't get to thriving. So emotional decluttering and physical decluttering might sometimes be necessary too. That's the next one. So good. Yeah. The third one, I call it bring your best self. And it's really to focus on being the best you can at any given moment. And let me ask you all. I'm going to ask Susie. She's going to represent all of you right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Have you ever, ever wanted things to be perfect and been disappointed when things were not perfect? Yes, ma'am. I have. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> me too. So I think a lot about the difference between perfection and excellence. And here's what I want to offer. Excellence is available to all of us. Perfection is not, even at the five-star resorts. Five-star resorts make mistakes too. They run out of towels or something happens with your order and they have to fix it. So what do they do if they're not perfect? And if anywhere else on earth would be perfect, it would be a five-star resort. And even they're not perfect, right? So let's all just take a chill pill on perfection, right? <laughs> but they can be excellent and they can consistently be excellent. Why, right? What if we made that our goal? So the way I like to look at it is I can always bring my best in this moment. In the next moment, my best might change, and that's okay. I can maybe do better another time or worse another time, but I can absolutely be excellent at any given time, but I can never be perfect. So good, Maggie. Yay. <laughs> so good. What else you got? Okay. The, the fourth one is take action, right? So as I was mentioning about the Kit Kats and how you would structure a five-star experience, there's a lot of intentional action that creates that welcome feeling. So if you were going to listen to us today and you were going to think about how, what could I do to create a welcome home feeling for myself, for my family, right? That requires you to think about it first, right? Make the decision and then take action towards creating that. That doesn't mean that we can control how another person receives it, but we can make it highly likely, right, that a person would enjoy that experience. So in relationships, especially long-term ones, do your priorities and your calendar match, mm. right? When I talk to women who are struggling in their marriages, I ask them, well, how much time do you spend together without kids? Sometimes I get zero. <laughs> or I don't even remember when, right? Like how much together time do you have? Whenever, so thri in thriving, people who thrive, they actually spend time together, look forward to it, enjoy it, prioritize it, create more of it. When couples are not thriving, that's usually one of the first areas where you can immediately tell because the together time is deficient, right? So you have to take wow. action to create that. Yeah, that's so good. I'm having a flashback to, oh my God, probably 15 years ago. But it was the first time that my husband and I went on vacation without the kids. So it was already 10 years into our marriage. And I can't believe it when I'm thinking about it now 
And it took like we had children, we got married late and then we had children quick. (laughs) And so we really, I don't know, we missed that phase. And it was so weird to be away without kids. We absolutely kind of forgot how to be. Yeah. And you had to relearn it, right? Yes. Yes. And, and (sighs) it, I, I still can't, like, it was just such a flurry of children and busy family life, but still, if I would have made a decision or had the awareness or I don't know, it just wasn't on my radar. I was just functioning. Yeah. I feel like someone listening to us today that it's not on their radar can hear you saying that and can course correct so much faster and so much better because they, oh, that happened to Susie. Oh, and she was able to figure that out. I can figure that out now too. Well, it did really help me prioritize vacations Yeah. in general. I started to think about vacations very differently after that realization, both with kids and without kids. But I really started to be much more intentional about it for sure. It's so important. And what I would say is don't wait for vacation. Like prioritize vacation. That's so important. But also what are little moments in your day that you could have, even if it's five minutes drinking coffee in the morning, or even if it's 10 minutes right before you go to bed, like having that moment of intentional connection between each other. My hypothesis is that there's no greater gift that you can give your kids than to model for them what two adults who love each other look and sound like, including when you have to disappoint them in order to create that time for each other. Like their processing of that disappointment in the moment may not be super fun, but in the long run of their lives for them to say, oh, my parents were always taking time and making sure, oh, that's what I'm going to do now in my relationship. I just think there's nothing more powerful that you can do for your kids than that. That's so good. One thing that's come up since pandemic and all this home life (laughs) is we've been walking the dog together more. Um, And before it just seemed kind of like a just mundane, like somebody has to walk the dog. Right. But now it's like a big highlight. Yes. Let's walk the dog. Yes. (laughs) I love that example. How can you weave into the things you're already doing that together time? Right. So I live in an old house and my house is a tiny kitchen and we do not have a dishwasher. So my friends will come over and say, oh, where's your dishwasher? I'd be like, you're looking at her. It's me. (laughs) Right. And my husband and I like will wash dishes together and chat and laugh and joke around. And so we take something that we have to do anyway, right? And we make it time that we also spend bonding and connecting with each other. Oh, that's a great example too. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have three more. You ready? Yes, I am. Okay. The fifth one, I call it build your love database. And this is why. In hotels... This is what they do at the five-star level. When you come in, they learn all your preferences, all your secret desires, and then they anticipate your needs. So like if I ask for tea at five o'clock the next day, they'll be like, would you like tea? We noticed you like tea at five o'clock. Would you like that? This is the normal way that procedures go at five-star hotels. And it's like what happens in a long-term relationship is we grow, we evolve, but sometimes we stop updating our honey on what has changed, what we like, what we've discovered, right? So the Gottman Institute of Studies Marriage says that couples who thrive know each other's interior world. This is actually a hallmark thing of couples who are really doing well, right? So how do you do that? You have to, A, have the together time, right? And then B, you have to have conversations that are beyond maintenance and problems. So this is what I call it. I call it maintenance and problems. You look at your last 10 conversations with your honey and like, I bet you, I will bet money that if you evaluated them, half of them were about maintenance, keeping things going, paying a bill, doing things. The other half were about problems. Oh, we need to pay this. We need to fix that. Whatever. Oh my God. I just sent my husband a text to help me change a light bulb that I can't reach like 10 minutes ago. And it's totally normal, right? Like, first of all, this is fine, but these can't be the only conversations you right. have, right? So um, Susie and I will talk about it, I'm sure, more in the next segment that I wrote a book called The Questions for Couples Journal. And one of the reasons that that is my very first book is because I see this over and over again is when relationships get quote unquote stale, right? I don't even know what to talk to them about. I don't even know. 
okay, maybe you need a little bit of help <laughs> to figure that out. <laughs> but just understanding that knowing each other's interior world, building each other's love database, knowing what they like, what they're interested in, just like a hotel would. It cannot be that the Ritz-Carlton has a better file on your honey than you do, right? <laughs> Think about that for a sec. <laughs> right, that it's so fun. this analogy of five-star service is really really good and it's especially fun to think about now that we're not in hotels and we're just right. stuck at home it's but it's we all get it yeah. we all get that analogy it's so good you're right so <laughs> yeah. enough said like i think yeah. that point is very clear yeah okay <laughs> okay good the next thing is you want to be asking the right questions. And in hotels, they have what they call a defect resolution system. When something goes wrong, they have a protocol they follow for how to solve that, right? They have a notepaper or a computer, a pad, whatever, where they check off boxes. Like they know exactly what they're going to do when something goes wrong. How many of us know exactly what we're going to do when something goes wrong? No one. <laughs> None of us. <laughs> does that right wow so here's yeah. an easy easy way and i'll tell Susie, and i want to know what your experience with this is when i was studying to become a coach there was a, a section or a thing that we all study which is to help us understand how to get to the to cause of a problem and it's very very simple everyone pay close attention lean in we ask why five times or more to get to the root cause of any problem so this was what was super fun I was studying to be a coach and I was reading a book about customer service at the Ritz Carlton specifically. And as I was studying this in life coach training, they were explaining this in a hotel. <laughs> That's so good. I actually looked up that principle today. Yeah. Completely separate from you. And the wow. first the first YouTube video that came up had to do with a business application, not a yes. relationship application. Yes. Okay. I have an article about this. I'll send this to you. Awesome. <laughs> Offline. But okay. So the five layers of why, that's what I like to call it. And here's what's fun. I'm going to give you the hotel example and then we'll talk about a relationship example. But I want everyone to really see how simple it can be to ask the right questions in your relationship. So the example they gave in the book was there was a, a hotel where the elevators were slow and the complaint that they received was the elevators are too slow. And why? Why is this? Right. And they thought, what's wrong? Why are the elevators so slow? They're, they're not coming. The people are complaining. So it turns out that um, the room service waiters were holding up the elevators. Why the room service? What's happening? Oh, but it wasn't the room service waiters. It was actually, they were holding them up because housekeeping <laughs> was going from floor to floor back and forth. Why is how? Notice I'm asking why again. This is my third why in. Why is housekeeping doing this? It turns out they had run out of towels and sheets and they were going floor to floor to get like the sheet from this place and the towel from that place to service the other rooms. And this was causing the elevator to go slower, right? But if we just stop at the first why, we wouldn't know that, right? But if we ask why again, why are they going from floor to floor looking for towels and sheets? Wait a second. It turns out they had just enough linen for 80% occupancy, but mm -hmm. they were at 100% occupancy, which means they didn't have enough linen in the hotel to service all the rooms being full. So if we start looking at, oh, just tell housekeeping to stop ordering the elevators, we don't actually solve the problem of ordering more linen. <laughs> right? Exactly. We have to go through and ask why five times or more sometimes to solve the right problem. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it really is. Okay. So I'll tell you, I did a podcast episode on this topic explaining this, just how I explained it right now. And someone messaged me on Facebook and said, you know, Maggie, I did that thing with the whys. <laughs> That's, those are the messages. I did that thing with the whys. She said, my husband and I were in an argument and I did that thing with the whys. And we were able to figure ourselves out. I mean, we were able to answer it and solve it. And it didn't escalate. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's amazing. She said, yeah. You know, afterwards, my husband said, did you do some voodoo on me? What did you do? <laughs> what? 
what ha- what just happened because he's used to her like freaking the freak out and all this stuff and all she did was and why is that and why is that oh let's solve that problem really calmly it's so fun wow i love that so does this to give you an example of how you can take that to be like oh and why is that and then solve for the right thing so fun okay you ready for the last one sure Five-star hotels have very robust guest loyalty programs, right? You get discounts, you get free things, you get breakfast, or you get a, whatever, a Kit Kat on, on your bed at turn, to, at the turn down service. They really appreciate and express appreciation to their customers in many multiple, very intentionally thought out ways. I say that appreciation is the superfood for love. Appreciation and sex are like glue that keep a marriage together, long-term mm-hmm. marriage. When someone is struggling and they're not thriving and I check in on how often do you express appreciation or how often are you connect, connecting physically, usually those answers are going to be low. And when we start turning things around, the first things that increase are appreciation and then physical connection. It's a very interesting thing. So if you want to have a five-star marriage, how can you express appreciation today to your partner? Like, listen to this, go and thank them for something. (laughs) That simple, (laughs) right? So that's it. Those are the seven steps. Well, that's so good. So decide. Yes. Declutter. Yes. Bring your best self. Yes. Take action. Yes. Build your love database. Yes. Ask the right questions and appreciate. Yes. Super simple. I don't know why anybody would have a problem. <laughs> right? It's like once you see it laid out that way, it's like it's yeah. not that hard. And it, I really want to convey to everyone listening that it isn't hard. You just have to decide and recommit, right? Yeah. yeah. So much of life coaching has to do with that. You know, the, ins- the insights that you get from doing this kind of work of awareness and decisions, so much of it is decide in advance and commit to your plan. Yes. It really yeah. boils down to that, you know? It's so simple. It, and sometimes like we, you and I like to give our clients tools and it's like, you could do this and you could do it that way. We want to give you, it's almost like this buffet of ways that you can accomplish the goal you want to create. But the bottom line is decide and commit to the result. No matter which tool you use, doesn't really matter at the end of the day. We want to help you do it and have all the tools at your disposal to make it easier to execute on that commitment. But at the core, the core, the core, it's decide and commit. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about commitment is, you know, when you're committed to something and when you're not committed to something, right? So the example I always think about is, when my kids were younger and they started to travel, if I told them that I would pick them up at the airport at two o'clock, there's yeah. no way I would not be at the airport at two o'clock. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But if I see it in my calendar that I'm supposed to do this or that at a certain time, especially like exercise, the commitment feeling isn't as intense. I'm not as positive that that will happen as I am that I would pick up my kid at the airport. And most people can really think about a thing that they're super committed to and it's just unwavering. And I think that's what you're getting at with this decision. Yes. Commitment. If you're really committed to it, you can look for other examples in your life and you can really understand that feeling of commitment to the plan to the way you're going to show up. You know it. You know what it feels like. Absolutely. And I love, so Susie has this program called Finally First, which is amazing, which all of you should totally check out immediately. (laughs) And then Finally First, what I love about the name and about the program is you are committing to putting yourself first, finally, right? And most of us are helpers. Most of us want, you know, we've prioritized either our career or our kids, or our career, and our kids, we've prioritized everybody else, the cousin, the sister, the uncle, <laughs> the, dog, right? the dog, right? We do, right? The dog needs to go out at 2 a.m. We're there, we're strong, we're groggy, but we're doing it. Would we wake up to work out at 2 a.m.? I don't think so, right? Would we go out in the winter snow if it was not, if the dog wasn't there? I don't think so, right? So I love, like, in Finally First, it's the opportunity you have to commit to yourself and have Susie leading you and helping you 
to execute on that commitment because that's where we all get stuck is on the execution. We're like, no, yes, I will prioritize myself. Oh, yes, yes, I will. But then we get stuck. <laughs> and then you need Susie to guide you to get unstuck. <laughs> yeah. You're so funny. So tell us more about Questions for Couples Journal. This I'm holding it in my hand. Oh. It's your new book, Questions to Enjoy, 400 Questions to Enjoy, Reflect, and Connect with Your Partner. Where did the idea come from for this book? Okay, this is the coolest story. So I, before I was a life coach, I worked in human resources and five-star luxury, and I blogged. So I would come home from working in HR all day, and I would write my little blog articles about how to have a better marriage and all these things. And I had a couple of clients. I didn't really have a lot of them because I was working full time. But I had a client where she said, I just don't know what to talk about with my husband anymore. They were always talking about maintenance and problems. That's how I developed that whole idea that that's what we talk about because I talked to enough people where I'm like, this is what they're all talking about. Right? <laughs> so I went and I wrote an article that was like my favorite um, questions for couples books. So this was, I want to say, maybe three or four years ago. And my husband and I, since we were dating, love questions books. So I live in Florida. In Florida, if you want to go anywhere, it's a four-hour drive. <laughs> like, I'm in Miami. If I want to go to Disney World in Orlando, it's four hours. When I go to Tampa, four hours. Anywhere I want to go. So we do a lot of road trips. And when we go on road trips, we ask each other these questions. And it's just something that we organically just did and kept doing throughout our whole marriage when we were dating. So inspired by this client, I write this article and I never really think about it again. I mean, I share it with people and sometimes I give it for homework to my clients and stuff like that. And years later, to show everyone, one of my favorite concepts is to just do what's in front of you to do today. Not worry so much about how the entire universe is gonna look 20 years from now, which I don't know, I used to do that. Did you ever do that? <laughs> Yeah, it's much easier to be present. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of my favorite ideas. So this is such a great example of that because I just did what was in front of me to do, which was to help this one client and then help my other clients. And a, a, my publisher reached out to me about writing a questions book because they found that article, which I think is amazing. But that's not the whole story. They reached out to me about that a particular book they were working on, and that project didn't actually work out. Time passed. We stayed in touch. And fast forward to now, they reached out to me again, and it turned out that this was the right project and the right time and the right book wow. and all the things sort of worked out. So it was very organic in how uh, it happened. And I am so happy and delighted that my very first book is not a book you read, it's a book you do. Yes. So fun. Well, it's really, I mean, that's what's required you got to take action. Yeah, exactly. You got to do all the things that you mentioned, but in the end, somebody has to change. And because one person is probably thinking about it more than the other. Yeah. The and here's stops. the thing. In most relationships, there's one person who really is the, the changer, is really the action taker of the two. Hmm. And it's like, why not just lean into that and be the action taker of the two, right? And then I call it becoming the emotional leader in your relationship. It's like, it's not going to be the other person. Let's just accept that. We have to accept it. And then it's like, but if you do it, then the other person now reacts to the things that you're doing and they start reacting differently too. And that's why I coach individuals. And the reason I coach individuals to change a marriage is because what I have seen over and over and over again is when you show up differently, your partner responds differently. And it's a beautiful thing to see happen. That's beautiful. So have you started to get some feedback of couples using the book? Oh my gosh, it's amazing. It has been so stunning. So you can go on Amazon and read the reviews, which are like mind blowing. So there's someone who wrote a review that said she'd been married like 33 years and she pulled out the book and started asking some of the questions and she learned things from her husband about her husband that she didn't know. And they've been together for 33 years. It blew my mind, right? That that was that that was happening. And then I did not know when we were writing the book that we would all be on quarantine, right? <laughs> and need like date night at home ideas. <laughs> but this is really one of the most perfect things for a date night at home. Get a glass of wine if you drink or a cup of coffee. <laughs> that's, that's what you like to have. 
and then pull out the book and just ask some questions and laugh and have fun and, and just enjoy. Yeah, it's so good. So one of the questions that I grabbed that I just, yeah. that really stood out to me is a great question is what do you think is a good balance between routine and excitement in a relationship? Yeah. Why did that stand out for you? Because there's so much routine in a relationship. It's kind of what you were talking about with, you know, just getting through the grind of life. Yes. There's so many things that have to be done. And excitement is something that I'm very focused on in midlife is shifting from that stagnant feeling to something that's more exciting. And I just liked thinking about it like this, like routine things do need to be done, but what's that balance? And I'll tell you one thing, the balance is not all routine. (laughs) There has to be some excitement. Exactly. We have to have a mix. So here's what's interesting. It sounds like a very simple question on purpose, right? It is very simple when you're asking your partner or you're considering it for yourself. But behind that question, here's what's underneath that question. Here's what studies show us. When couples do new things together, there's a physiological reaction in your body. You release oxytocin, which is like the connection, dr- uh, the connection drug, not drug, the connection hormone, right? And you release dopamine, new variety of things. There's, a, there's the same chemicals that are released when you're dating get released when you do new things. The new things don't have to be fancy things. They don't have to be, we don't have to go climb the Alps or something. We can just go to the coffee shop across the street instead of the coffee shop around the corner, right? Just has to be new. You know what? I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly the experience that we had recently um, in a small town and it had become routine. It's a place that we go all the time. But I decided and, and hubby went along with it. I'm like, let's go to all the restaurants. We get into yes. this routine of only going to this one or that one. Right. Let's go to a whole bunch of them. Let's experience all the restaurants with the amazing views. Yes. And let's just see what's doing. And honestly, it was exciting. <laughs> Spot on. That's exactly. Keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, That's, really good. What a great example. It's like in your neighborhood to the ability that you can with whatever's going on where you are right now. What can you do that's very simple and doable that is new? It doesn't have to be super complicated. It just has to be. Yeah, new and it doesn't have to be expensive, you know. Exactly. And I also, what else I really love in this book is that it's not all questions about your relationship. Like, they're not all cringeworthy. Oh, my God, we're going to go deep at this current moment. So right next to the question that I tagged is this question. If you were guaranteed success either way, would you rather work at a startup or a hundred-year-old company? Yeah. So that's not an intimidating question. At all. But you can kind of see that it would definitely start a conversation. So I highly recommend this book. The other thing I want to point out is that it's lined. It is like a journal. Yes. So it's very easy to take notes and uh, there's lots of space. 400 questions to get you going. So, so good. Thank you, Susie. I'm so glad you liked it. Oh, I do, for sure. So to end, what is your best advice to women in the middle? My best advice? Hmm. If I had to say one thing, it would be question everything. Oh, I love that. What do you mean? What comes up to you right away when you're thinking question everything? Because you've spoken to hundreds of people. What comes up for you right away? So for me, it's like question your assumption about what the next chapter of your life is supposed to look like, supposed to quote unquote look like, like just question it. You might've been planning, this is what my retirement is going to look like. This is what my next job is going to look like. Just take a pause, just take a moment and just question it and just check in. Is this still aligned with my values now? I thought I wanted this when I was 30 or I thought I wanted this when I was 40. But now I'm 46, me personally. Maybe I want something else, right? Now maybe you're 53 and you're like, you know what? This thing that seems so sexy and delightful to fantasize about when I was in an office working 60-hour weeks isn't as sexy now, right? So just that moment of really questioning what's meaningful to me now, I think that would be a really great springboard when you're thinking about your next chapter in your life. So good. Maggie, thank you so much. How can people get a hold of you, your podcast, and your book? Oh, how exciting. So my name is Maggie Reyes, and my website is MaggieReyes.com, so you can find me there. My podcast is called The Marriage Life Coach Podcast, 
and you can find that in any place you like to listen to podcasts. And the book is called The Questions for Couples Journal. If you go to maggiereyes.com forward slash book, very easy to find there. and You can just click and get it there. Fantastic. And of course, I'm going to put all of the links in the show notes. Maggie, thank you so much. You're totally a woman in the middle that we are loving more and more every time you say something. Everything you're saying is gold. I love the idea of thriving in marriage, any kind of thriving or excitement at this age and stage I get all excited about. I get giddy with excitement, actually. I I say that that in my copy, I actually get giddy. And watching your enthusiasm, it's just so, it's so uplifting and promising that even a long-term marriage can get better. It does take a little work, but work in quotes because you're getting what you want. Yes, it absolutely can get better and and be so amazing in this chapter of your life because you know what you want now. (laughs) I know. We're not just older, we're older and wiser. Amen, sister. Yes. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So good, right? Remember, changing your thinking to managing your problem over solving your problem can really change everything. And getting some insight about whether you're a team or an alliance can be really impactful. Maggie suggests that you go out of your way to cultivate teamwork and always be friending. The more you engage the more you engage. (laughs) So simple, right? (laughs) A great question to ask yourself is, how can you do more friending in your relationship? How can you show more appreciation? Maggie shared such amazing ways to think about your marriage and how to improve it. Now, go have fun. (laughs) All right, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck. It's time to get excited about your life again. Being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be. Check out the show notes with more information and links at susierosenstein.com. Download my free ebook, Nine Secrets to Get Unstuck in Your 50s at susierosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. Want to connect more with me in the future? Why don't you join the free Women in the Middle community Facebook group where we continue the podcast conversation? Head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women in the middle community. And if you're ready to finally put yourself first, you can become a first lady. Join my new midlife membership, the Finally First Club. This is an upbeat virtual community for midlife women who want to stop feeling stuck and confused and finally start making the changes they want in their next chapter. The clarity, courage, and connection that you're looking for is only one click away. Join now. Head over to www.iamfinallyfirst.com. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one exciting thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.